Matter protesters took to the streets in late May in response to the murder of George Floyd. As protests continue in cities around the world, a recent New York Times article cites several polls suggesting that Black Lives Matter may be the largest movement in U.S. history. Governments, corporations, and organizations responded with messages and donations in support of anti-racism. But not all companies have spoken out, and not all statements of support were followed with action. A couple of months ago, a strong, passionate, and insightful voice emerged from within the PR sector, that of Arfa Gain, a Humber College Bachelor of PR student. Arfa's blog was posted on the Generation PR website and was entitled Black Lives Matter, an overview of the PR response. Arfa shed light on various organizations, calling for communicators to consider what actions they could take to advance anti-racist sentiment throughout their companies, as well as the PR profession. Arfa joins us to discuss the Black Lives Matter movement in the context of the PR industry. Welcome, Arfa. Hi, it's so great to be here. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm going to start with uh, asking you, what does Black Lives Matter mean to you? And, you know, further to that, what inspired you to write your initial blog post? Yeah, um, so Black Lives Matter and the movement as a whole is a very close movement to myself. Um, the first time I heard about it was when it started back in 2014 um, with the Trayvon Martin murder trial. And that's where it really stemmed from. And I remember the outcome of that trial really hitting me because I um, noticed that, that I think I believe was the first time I ever noticed that Black Lives didn't really mean as much to everyone else as they meant to myself. Um, it kind of comes back around every few weeks, really, um, with somebody new dying or their lives being put in danger. And um, it kind of reminds me of my siblings and my uncles and people who are close to, I'm close to, and basically like the whole Black community and how that could one day possibly be someone I know and so um, it's a really important movement to myself and um, I'm really happy to see that it's becoming an important movement to other people as well and the reason why I wrote my blog post was because it was um, a topic that does come around but you usually see the same people 
posting about it. And those are individuals of color or um, allies and never anyone more. But with the recent um, issues that have been happening, a lot of people that I never would expect to come out and say anything, especially corporations, were starting to release statements. And um, it kind of really started to realize that started, it kind of really started to look um, performative as if this was something that it was expected of them and not something that they truly wanted to do. Um, so that's really why I wrote the blog post and I did touch on that as well within it. In your post, so we'll get to your post now, uh, you shared your thoughts on corporate responses, much to what you're alluding to now. Would you share some of those insights with us? Yeah, um, so I touched on a couple of corporations that were doing it right when it came to uh, putting out statements in relation to Black Lives Matter, and one of them was Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Um, but the thing with Ben and Jerry's is how they've always actually been um, an ally with the movement. Um, it started back in 2016. Um, so they actually released a statement saying they support Black Lives Matter. And I actually kind of went on their website uh, last month and was looking through the different types of social justice initiatives that they have. And they are very, um, what is the word? They're very in tune and um, really want to do what's right for human like kind basically they just really want to get it right and they really want to make sure that everyone has the equal opportunity um to live a equitable life is what they do and then there was the organizations that got it wrong and i would say l'oreal was one of the big ones because just a couple years ago they had a black trans um a uh, black trans model who they fired for speaking out um against white supremacists and in support of Black Lives Matter and then all of a sudden you're also supporting it three years later so um, it was something like that where it was like it's very obvious that this is performative allyship and um, a lot of the corporations didn't have anything that was like actionable within their statements it was kind of like we acknowledge that you guys really care about this but that's it and it was nothing about acknowledging and recognizing the issues that are happening externally but then also what's happening internally within their organizations so um, I heard you speak at the CPRS uh, Toronto Annual General Meeting on Zoom, of course. And in your presentation, you stressed the importance of listening, learning, and educating ourselves on anti-racism. In that presentation, you made the following statement, and I'm quoting you. You can't really be an ally if you don't know anybody. How can allyship become more actionable? In your opinion yeah um, I feel as if what I meant with that statement is you really need to learn from people who experience racism um, you need to learn from black individuals and indi indigenous individuals um, so following black and indigenous and other people of color on your feeds so that their posts that are educational are coming up um, joining groups on Facebook that are in support of Black Lives Matter. I've started to notice that a lot of the groups I'm in really do um, post and try and educate the group members. Um, there's one group that I'm in that's about skincare, but every Wednesday they do a Woke Wednesday, they have a topic and they let the group members discuss and they educate each other. Um, another group I'm in does courageous conversations where you can connect with a black person in the group, if you are not black, um, get together and just kind of discuss like 
experiences and what you feel you're missing and how you can better become an ally yourself. Um, and by expanding your friend circle, I've, a lot of uh, people who are not of color don't have black or indigenous or friends of color in their friend groups. And it's kind of hard to be an ally if you don't also befriend people who are of color and who have different experiences than you. And it's something where you kind of have to just uh, swallow your pride and reach out to somebody. <clears throat> Sorry, swallow your pride and reach out to somebody and just kind of be honest. Like I've noticed my friend group isn't really that um, colored. I don't want to say colored. It isn't really uh, diverse. And I'd really like to have more of those experiences and friendships in my life. But it also is, um, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. It also is extremely valuable if you have children as well, because they grow up seeing the type of people that you surround yourself with. But then also they grow up with what you put in front of them. I had someone reach out to go, how do I teach my child about diversity? I don't have a diverse friend group and I don't know how to access one. And I said, there's books about um, diversity in children. There's books by black authors. There's books that include children of color. They include that by dolls that are of children of color or even your mom groups like I'm sure there's moms of color in your mom groups reach out to them and just say I'd really like for our kids to get together and hopefully we can also be friends um, so it's more of like taking action of being an ally there's educating yourself and reading a couple of books and there's also like steps you take in your everyday life to ensure that you're being inclusive and inviting and also open to learning and making friends because in the end you're making friends and <laughs> what's better than having friends that's great. I appreciate uh, your honesty. I appreciate your sort of straightforward approach. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the next question uh, because it sort of all ties in. Um, in response to your call to educate ourselves on anti-racism, I turned to some suggested resources. One book I'm reading, um, it was recommended on a variety of Black Lives Matter related reading lists, is a book called White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. A quote I wanted to share is the following. The racial status quo is comfortable for white people and we will not move forward in race relations if we remain comfortable. The key to me moving forward is what we do with our discomfort. How does this quote resonate for you, Arfa? And in what ways would you like to see the PR profession shake itself out of its comfort zone? Yeah, um, it resonates with me in a way that um, it's true that if you remain comfortable, there's nothing that we can do to move forward because you being comfortable is just ignoring that other people around you are uncomfortable. And there's no opportunity for equity in the world if no one else except for you is comfortable. Um, it's an uncomfortable topic for everybody involved, people who experience racism and people who don't. Um, so if you're uncomfortable, that means you're acknowledging that there is a problem. And by being uncomfortable, you're kind of um, opening up the opportunity for a discussion, but you just have to also be receptive to one. And the only way to fix a problem is by undoing the system systematic mindset um, that you're comfortable in. And it's possible, but it's going to be a little hard, but you just kind of have to get through the uncomfortableness because in order to make sure that the world is an equal um, space for people of color and black and indigenous people, you really do have to also use your voice because our voices have been going for years and centuries at this point and it's not really gotten this far. And so with the movement lately, 
um, it's starting to become a more foreground um, issue that white individuals and people who are white passing are really being helpful with because it's those are the voices that people in power listen to um, it's really when it comes to the pr profession it would be taking on clients that align with your values um, asking them how are you working on being anti-racist how are you supporting um, your employees and colleagues and people in your community who are black and indigenous and of color um, and also unaligning yourself from organizations that uh, have um, presented um, racially unaccepting, I think. <laughs> um, and But then also because it's kind of where you realize that there's no room for organizations that are racist and that aren't inclusive because um, your stakeholders are diverse. Even if you don't visually see it, your customers, your clients are all from diverse backgrounds and they're going to see that you're aligning yourself with organizations that don't align with their values, you're going to start losing support. And it's better to take the support away from organizations that are refusing to support everybody because we don't need that in this world. And then you want to increase diversity in your C-suite positions. A lot of um, comments I've been hearing lately is that there's no pipeline of individuals that are black or indigenous or of color and that's not because there isn't a pipeline it's because we see what your leadership looks like and there's no representation of what we look like and to us we automatically also see where our growth will be stunted within your organization so what is the point of working somewhere where there's only a certain point that we can get to and then that's it. We don't get to become a CEO or a president or um, anything of changeable value. We're just kind of the voice and the minority that you need and not um, something that will offer an opportunity to future um, professionals to see that this organization is inclusive, diverse, and it's not just something that we're doing as performative, it's something that we've always done and continue to do. Um, so you just kind of have to be authentic and continue to make the change because it's not just a one-time thing, it's a thing where you have to continuously hire people and kind of walk the walk. <laughs> Thank you for that response. You, you use the word values. You want to make sure that you're aligning with organizations that share your values. And mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever heard more discussion in our profession about trust and about values-based decision-making than in the last years and um, it really has become the cornerstone of everything we talk about in public relations that essentially that is what we're about we're about building trust in organizations and um, you've really outlined uh, very clearly how that pursuit of trust and values-based decision-making aligns perfectly with the Black Lives Matter movement and and that is actionable Mm -hmm. So yeah. thank you. No, I agree. Um, since June, you have had the opportunity to speak at two CPRS events and were a guest speaker in a course. Um, what does this attention mean to you? Um, it means a lot. <laughs> at first, I was kind of expecting it to kind of die out, and I don't want to put that into the universe because I'm really not just enjoying what's come of it, but also looking forward to seeing what will come of it and how organizations are taking what I've said and kind of being like, you know what, like she's right, we do have to put in this effort to make sure that 
the industry is accepting and representative of everyone. And so it's, it's been a really like blown away feeling because Black Lives Matter has always been such a topic and it kind of um, like the conversation that you had with Jane, um, she had echoed what you said to our class first year was um, don't have more than one social media page because it kind of shows as if you're being inauthentic. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I have to, I have to have two because I'm a huge supporter of Black Lives Matter and a huge supporter of topics that would be taboo, um, indigenous reparations and um, LGBTQ plus um, uh, like acceptance. And so I actually ended up making a second Twitter because I didn't want what I aligned myself with then and now to jeopardize my opportunities in the industry. And so I, I do have two Twitters, but now I am starting to see that like, it's okay to align yourself with those things, but it's only recently that it has become okay. Um, so maybe I'll think about merging those two. <laughs> but for now, it's, it's always been just a two Twitter thing because I didn't have the opportunity to present that side of myself because to a lot of people, it's wrong and it's negative and people have been fired and removed from positions for wanting to align themselves with Black Lives Matter. And so going forward, I'm really excited that I can outwardly and freely be my authentic self in wanting to better the world and myself and just accept everyone <laughs> and it being okay. Is that a little bit of progress? Um, yeah, I, I do think so because Black Lives Matter, when it's first said and you really don't actually know like the meaning of it, it sounds as if it's the only thing that matters. And that's where the educational part comes through. Like it's not anti-white, it's not anti-anything. And it's just like also pride. Pride isn't anti-everyone else. It's just these are the individuals and groups that are being um, underrepresented and targeted and we need to make sure that they feel safe just as safe as you feel walking this planet and so i really do think it is a step forward in being able to talk about it at work openly talk about it with leadership at work openly and just kind of hearing what everyone else is thinking and not having to be tiptoeing on ice thinking that the person you're speaking to is agreeing with you at the moment but next thing you know you're in hr because you've offended them um, so yeah, I do really think it's a step forward. That's great. That's good to hear. What's next for you? I know you're working on some interesting projects and I'd hope that you could share some of that with us. Yeah, um, I'm going to try and share as much as I possibly can, but I'm currently doing my internship at Edelman. Um, I started in the beginning of July and I am working on a campaign that's going to increase awareness of career paths for youth. Um, that will hopefully also provide an awareness of the PR industry. So we're really trying to target um, Black and Indigenous students, um, not just at the post-secondary level, <clears throat> sorry, not just at the post-secondary level, but also at the high school level. Um, there was one thing that I had discussed with Lisa Kimmel, and it was that a lot of people in the PR industry didn't enter PR straight out of high school. It was something that was a second career op option or something they kind of just stumbled into. And um, 
that's kind of where the disconnect comes from because most people who do enter it straight out of high school only enter it because somebody they know personally is within the PR industry. And um, a lot of students who are black and indigenous and of color um, are not really represented in the industry. So they don't really know that it's an option. So we really want to make that an option so that in the future, the industry is more diverse and more representative of what the world looks like and what consumers look like because PR is a industry that really should represent the companies that we're working with. Like we're here to promote you and you are everyone <laughs> basically. Um, another project is a conference that's coming up. I am working on a panel for that and really hoping that that goes through. Um, hopefully I get to participate, it, participate on it as well. Um, if it does end up working out, I will absolutely post more information about it, but I don't want to jinx it. I believe in that really hard. <laughs> um, so I'm just trying to keep a positive mindset and really just kind of work hard to maintain the wave that I've been riding because it really is only up from here and I'm excited to see where I go. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you that, uh, you know, your efforts are recognized. You've got lots of good thoughts and, and I'm happy to hear that, uh, that the universe is responding and we'll keep our fingers crossed that it keeps going. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Um, yes. <laughs> I would say that um, first, I just really want to thank you for starting this and providing this platform because as much as coffee chats do a lot for us students, it's kind of hard to put yourself out there. So providing this platform for us to hear different perspectives and experiences from PR professionals is something that like we desperately needed. So thank you for that. You're <laughs> um, but also um, thank you for providing this platform for Black Lives Matter as well, because the more people we get learning about it, the more people we get becoming allies is going to pr present the change that we need to see in this world. So. Um, thank you for that as well. But other than that, <laughs> that's kind well, of it. I just want to thank you. So I want to just um, remind the listeners where they can find your blog post. Uh, it, it's at the Generation PR website, which is generationpr.ca. And a reminder that the blog is called Black Lives Matter, an overview of the PR response. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today, Arfa, and thank you for generously sharing your time, your insights and advice, and for sharing your passion for Black Lives Matter. I look forward to learning together in the coming year. Thank you so much, and I as well am looking forward to it. I believe I have you winter semester, so <laughs> I'm excited for that as well. Thank you, Arfa. Thank you. is available on Spotify, Anchor FM, and Apple and Google Podcasts. You can reach me, Andrea Tapchar, at LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks to Ryan Garvin for music and production.